Hi, and welcome to episode number two of the Body High podcast. Today's episode is entitled The Akashic Realm. The Akasha is a dimension that we cannot see, but that is available for all of us to communicate with. For those of us who live in our heads, accessing the Akasha might be very challenging because it requires not the rational brain, but trusting our intuition. If you are someone who spends way too much time thinking instead of feeling, getting to know the language of your body, this episode will be really helpful. What I love about these readings is that they are meant to uplift and dignify the person whose Akashic records are being read. They are about integrating practical steps into your life so that you can take both full responsibility and delight over everything that is going on in your world, including your relationships and your challenges because in accepting that responsibility comes a complete paradigm shift, a quantum leap on how you see yourself and your world. I interviewed my friend Helen, a scary good Akashic reader, on how she is able to communicate with entities who speak to her through the Akasha and how the Akasha can help us learn to trust ourselves and our hidden gifts, talents, and abilities. This was a lot of fun to put together for you and I hope you enjoy. So the reason I want to do this with you is because when I learned about remote viewing and how remote viewing is something that was used actually in the military during the Cold War, I was like, oh my God, I think this is the exact same thing as the Akashic realm. So do you know a little bit about remote yeah. viewing? Could you talk a little yeah, bit about that yeah. and then we'll go into, into yeah. the Akashic? I think that every person can access remote viewing differently. The way that I am able to access it um, is actually through the Akashic Records. So I'm going to first start by sharing my personal experience. So when I open someone's Akashic Records through a sacred prayer, I am able to be in the, what we call the fifth dimension of consciousness. And when I'm in that space, I'm able to communicate with the souls of everyone and everything, deceased and alive and and even uh souls that are incarnating into human beings again so when i'm in that space in that realm and because i can communicate with with the soul i'm able to be in this space where i can essentially see where that soul is at and everything that they're feeling thinking seeing and even wanting to say so an example of that would be I open up someone's Akashic Records and someone is asking me a question about another person, let's say, um, you know, perhaps another individual that they have romantic interest in, you know, oh, what is this individual doing right now? And what is he thinking about me right now? And so that's how I do it. But I think everyone is different. So I have a, I have a student who does remote viewing and she can access this information in what we would call the fourth dimension of consciousness. So that's kind of just when you're like, you're able to like elevate your soul to a space where it's just, it's not here. It's, it transcends what is physically around you. So what she does a lot is like, she, she likes to check in on people. So she'll say, Helen, you know, I saw you today with a beach hat. And I would, and I'll say, oh yeah, I was at the beach today, but I wasn't wearing a beach hat. So she can, she picks up on like little like bits like that, but it's not the, 
it's not what I like physically I'm doing. Like it's always kind of like an association. Mm, so symbolic. She, yeah, she does it. Hers is a little bit different. Whereas for me, I'm able to actually, um, I'm almost actually able to like physically be there. How, what got you interested in um, learning how to do Akashic reading? The reason I was interested in doing Akashic readings is because I myself had received a few readings that were very healing and actually provided a lot of practical steps for me to move forward in my life, like on my path. And it, was, it wasn't until the third reading that I had expressed an interest in being able to do this for other people that I was then connected to a teacher who taught me how to do the work myself. But prior to me learning, I had no preconceived notions of how this was done or what it was like or even what to expect. I was sort of going into this just with an open heart and really wanting to help help other people because they've been so helpful for me. So when I went into the training, you know, it wasn't like I had an expectation. In fact, I I had no expectations. In fact, I was a little upset because you can't drink alcohol or have <laughs> recreational drugs 24 hours before. And um, like the night before, you know, someone was like, hey, let's smoke a joint. And I'm like, I can't. I got to do this thing, this weird thing, you know. <laughs> so, and you know, going into it, I was just kind of like, what am I doing? And, and the first time I tried to access my records, I didn't get anything. So, again, I was just like, what is this thing with this prayer and these so, words? So, can you, can you just talk a little bit about, um, I know you spoke about it briefly, but... How does one enter the Akashic realm? How does one open the records? How do you put yeah. yourself in a state where you can where you can do that? Okay. So there's many different ways to access the Akashic records. The way that I use is Linda Howe, Dr. Linda Howe's um, pathway prayer process to access the heart of the Akashic records. Now, I know there's several ways to access them. But this has been such a successful tool for me that I've, I have, haven't had a desire to stray away from it because I literally get right, it's like I just get right into the heart of the records and I'm able to have a conversation with someone's master's teachers and loved ones. And, the, and I like to call the master's teachers and loved ones um, your team. I call them my team. These are all the different entities that you can access when you go into the Akashic records. These are the people you, the, the entities that you speak to, right? Yeah, yeah. So masters, yes, masters um, have known you since the inception of your soul. They were created to oversee who you become through the human experience. They have never been incarnated into a physical human being. Uh, teachers are lesson specific. So teachers may or may not have been a human being, um, but you have many, many teachers. I have teachers in my present physical life, like my parents, my my siblings, my friends, but I also have, um, like, you know, non-human being teachers, like spiritual teachers. Um, I practice Buddhism, so there's there's spiritual teachers that I've had, and then there's also teachers from, like, school, you know, that are could have passed away and are even, like, in the Akasha communicating with you. So you have your, your teachers, and they're with you to learn a lesson, and once you've mastered it, they actually go away, and then the teachers assign someone new. Mastering lessons is like really challenging and could could take lifetimes. Um, but loved ones are people who have passed away, and even souls that will incarnate into your soul circle in this lifetime. So if you have a chill, if you have children, if 
your friends or your family members have children. So together they speak collectively as one group. When people ask how many there are, they always say hundreds. Like the answer has never changed. So I always say hundreds. And you just never know who like out of that group, you know, you're connecting with. I mean, you could be connecting with like a grandmother who you've never met that's passed away. Um, I noticed that masters are the ones that usually take me back to past lives. So it's a, it's a really amazing group. And I, yeah, I call them my team. When you say that a lesson <clears throat> could take a lifetime to be learned, give me an example of that. Well, one of the lessons that I'm working on right now and having a, <laughs> a challenging time mastering is letting go and unconditional self-love. So it's unconditional self-love is a lesson that I feel like you can work on until the day you die because we are affected by our environment and the people in it. And in a single moment, you could you can feel like you have an abundance of unconditional self-love and someone can just like knock that right out of you, you know? So it's like every day you're like, you're learning how to master that. And you can always like be ahead of it, but <clears throat> that's a really tough one for me. And then um, being able to let go, you know, like things that, that rattle me up. I mean, right now I'm dealing with something with my dog and I'm having a really hard time letting go of fear and, and, you know, being able to give him a blank slate because he's got a bad attitude. So that's something that I'm working on and I don't know, I feel like I might be working on forever. What are some of the, what are some of the most common, uh, lessons that people, uh, that people need to learn? Did you find that when people come to you and they ask you these questions, you know, these recurring themes of yeah. what as human beings we just need to, yeah. you know, the lessons we need to learn. Oh my learn. God. Um, I hear a lot about self-love, self-care, unconditional self-love is such a huge one because we, we give so much unconditional love to people and when we don't, when we don't receive it from them or we're not giving it to ourselves where our energy is just like being... Uh, depleted, you know, which causes us to be in a low vibration state, like to be to be sad or to to be angry. So all of these things affect our 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 life condition, our our state of being. But um, self forgiveness, um, self trust, a lot of these lessons are about you and the people in your environment are just reflecting that lesson back onto you. So it's like, you know. A big one could be like, oh, trusting your gut, you know, but you don't trust your gut. You actually prefer to trust outside of yourself. So all these lessons are teaching you to like be within yourself and know that you always have everything that you need and that these people are just reminders. Like, I love when they say things like, um, you know, specifically with relationships, like family relationships, friend relationships, romantic relationships, like you didn't come here to live your life for that person. You came here to live for yourself. This person is, is either just reminding you or teaching you how to do these things. And you can have these like, you know, positive relationships in your life, but you have to like master something in your own life to be able to accept that positive relationship. So I love when they say things like that because it's so true and it reminds me that when I'm having a trouble some relationship, I didn't come here to live my life for this person. And so I always look for the, the positive points of light in that relationship. And then I either, I either take that and move on or I take that and I learn how to like rework that relationship. Is there, um, do you get mainly women or do you get a combination of both? 
it I would say in terms of percentage it's probably 90% women 90 95% women do you find that there are different um there are different issues that men and women come to you with yes yes women have a lot of challenges with unconditional love for themselves that's a really big one men i notice tend to uh be very third dimensional in, in the sense that they have a lot of power and they don't know how to channel it so them being able to connect with their spiritual side their creative side and then use that to do the things that they want to do they have a um a struggle with so i notice um not always but a lot of the times men use their sexuality in a very physical way so they like to be very sexual they like to um you know it's all about let's say like climaxing you know like getting to that moment and then just sort of having that release but if men can learn how to channel that energy then i mean who knows like what more they can do with themselves like it's there is a lot of power there it's like what would that be that's like that chakra that's like the that's like the i mean it's it's in the reproductive realm and there's many ways in which we can reproduce besides just fucking and making people you can reproduce by making great works of art or just like being creative in other in other forms and they have dreams like you know these males they're like oh my god i want to do this and i want to do that and da da but all i do is watch porn you know sacred sexuality it's always been about their sacred sexuality how do they use that power to do the things that they want to do to fulfill their dreams so yeah that's i would say that's pretty common but then also purpose like a lot of men want to know like what's my purpose you know am i meant to do these things that i feel compelled to do and then also that that is a big thing with women as well like they want to know women oh i love them because they just want to serve humanity they want they want to do so much but sometimes they forget that they have to serve themselves and then that's when that's when you're able to sort of pinpoint what lessons they're working on like is it self love like how can i give myself this so that i can give to others how do you hear these messages how do you receive these messages I am so fortunate to be clear audience. Um that is only 5% of the way people receive the Akashic records as opposed to 85% is a sense of knowing. So it's a hunch. It's like the information pushes in and like you push out. So it's like, "Oh, I just know." Um, you know, for example, like, "Can I trust this person?" "Yes, yes, you can trust this person." Like that's kind of Intuition. like a sense of, yeah. Like it's like a stronger It's like a it's like intuition maybe times like 10, you know? Like it comes quick and it's just you know. That's 85%. 10% is people who receive visually and then 5% is audio. So I have been so fortunate to receive in an audio um experience because all they do is talk to me and it's kind of like an inner voice, but there's a few ways that I'm able to discern the difference. Um the first way is they call me Helen. or if my grandmother is talking to me she calls me dear like you know I'll say grandma and she'll say yes dear like she always ends everything with dear um they also say there's something else that they say to me uh child i think someone in the group calls me child like oh child you blah 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 you do this you do that or whatever 
So they, they kind of address me a little bit differently than I would talk to myself with, with my own inner voice. Um, and then the other thing is they, they say things that I would never say. They say words that I don't know the definitions of, um, which I later look up and I'm like, whoa, that totally makes sense. That's like a new word that I would never use in my own vocabulary. So there's a lot of ways that I'm able to like see it's them. Um, the other way is I... Like if I hear them say something that I feel like is coming from me, I always ask, is this coming from me or is this coming from the records? And then I just listen and they say the records or there, there have been times where they say, no, that's coming from you. <laughs> um, and then you just get yourself like realigned in the, uh, in that space to, to be able to hear them. Um, but I asked them also one time, um, I asked them if I was channeling them. And they said, no, you're listening to us. You hear what we say and you say it. Because I will sometimes say things like really slow the way that they're saying it. Like I'll, I'll say things like, they are telling me that you have big things to do in this lifetime. So I kind of like take these like random pauses and so... I was like, wait a minute, is that them using my voice to talk? But then they said, no, that's you listening to like everything that we're saying and being able to say it. So it's just, I don't know, it's been such a gift. Like I can say something and then they'll talk over me. Like before I even finish the sentence or the question, they're already answering it. And, bef and, and I'm already sort of like thinking about the next thing that they say and then they'll say it. So for example, last night I went to sleep and I was, uh, I had a lot of uh, anxiety and stress because I'm dealing with this challenging relationship with my dog. And then this morning I opened up my records. I was taking a salt bath, which is so helpful in, in allowing me to access like with more clarity. It's really interesting. So I was taking a salt bath and I decided to open up my records. And as soon as I opened them up, they're always like, hi, hi, how are you? Like just being greeted by like this team of like, I don't, it's just, it's so overwhelming and so positive. So, um, right away they said, you're calling us because you want to find out what's the first step you can take from being able to eradicate that fear and that anxiety with Hugo. And I said, yeah, actually it is. But I didn't even know going into like me opening my records that that was it. I just felt like, oh, I should open up my records right now. How has that, how has that because you've been doing this for how long? A year and a half. And you're really good at it. You're really, really, really good at it. And, like, I'm not just saying it from my experience, but, like, when I was doing the training with you and, um, not with you, but with, uh, Christine, you know, you had, there were other people there who'd, uh, who were doing the training because they were so affected by the, you know, the, the effect that you had on them. And they're like, you did great. I would love to do this myself. How has that changed your life because before that you weren't doing this like it's like now it's like this daily practice right at any point you can go into the records and like access them and ask questions at any point about anything I know we are so fortunate to to be able to access this in the 21st century like it is it is available for everyone you have to have an open heart and an open mind and Self-doubt is one of the biggest thing that's, biggest things that stand in our way of receiving the records. Oh, totally. That was me. I was just like, 
that was like thing. I'm like, is it, it's coming for me. I'm making it up. It's coming for me. It's, I'm I making know. it up. I'm just so scared. I'm like, people are depending. Or like, people are wanting an answer. I just can't. Yes, help. you know, it 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 is a responsibility. You are a hundred percent as a practitioner, one hundred percent responsible for the information that you are relaying to someone. So it is. It's like, you know, someone is coming to you with such a, a vulnerable state of being and the information that you are receiving and relaying to that person is to uplift and dignify the person being read. But I mean, but I mean, it could go any which way. Um, it has been honestly like this sounds so cheesy, but when people ask me, I just say, I have been so blessed and I would never, ever say that, but I have been so blessed to be able to practice and receive and be the strong practitioner that I am to never let any self-doubt or anything be a hindrance in in the readings that I give. Like, I always want to give my all. And that's why I do it. And there's one other important thing. Um, the, the lords of the records, they protect the integrity and the corruptibility. So who are the lords? Because that's, that's So you have your, your loved ones. You have your masters, you have your teachers, teachers, and then the lords. So the lords of the records protect the integrity and the corruptibility of the records. So from what I have learned in my own records is that they're in the sixth dimension of consciousness, and we are not allowed to go there yet. That's what they said, yet. So right now, the lords don't communicate with us. They get the information from the records, and then they give it to the masters, and then the masters, teachers, and loved ones distribute that information to us, whatever we need. So so the lords are actually uh, the keepers of the records, and they choose who can and who cannot access the records. Because if you think about it, this information being so sensitive and vulnerable, I mean, could could destroy someone or it could rebuild someone. So you want to make sure that this information is in the hands of someone who's going to really serve, best serve it. So I've been really fortunate to have a strong relationship with the master's teachers and loved ones and even the lords of the records. I always know when someone can read the records in the prayer because um, when I say uh, a very specific line... To see Victoria through the eyes of the Lords of the Records. As soon as I say that line, if the, the Lord, if that line in the prayer has a really high vibration for me, the Lords of the Records are basically telling me this person can do this work, and I know right away. But I don't say it until a person is interested, or you know, or it comes up in a reading. But um, to get back to the original question, honestly. I feel so blessed to share this with people. You know, like people are just so gracious and thankful. And that's really, all. I mean, all that I could ask for is like, you know, I just want someone to have a positive experience like I had a positive experience. But also the more that you, you practice and you're doing readings, the stronger you get. So I've, I've practiced a lot and I've gotten really strong. But to be able to hear is, is you know, that honestly has been such a gift because I hear so specifically, I hear so detailed. It's like they're they're talking as quick as I'm talking and I'm able to like relay all that information to someone. Um, what are some of the most common questions that people come to you with? A lot of people ask what their purpose is. You know, what's what's my soul's purpose? What's my life's purpose? And are that, those good questions? 
Are there good and bad questions? You know, the best questions to ask in the records is anything that starts off with what, why, and how. You don't want to ask yes or no questions because you can use your body as a pendulum to answer a yes or no. But in the records, when you're asking what, why, and how, they're able to give you like really clear descriptive answers. And I find that I get the most information when they're sort of worded that way. Um, But a lot of people ask about their soul's purpose. They ask about their career, their work. Um, They ask about relationships. Um, I mean, what I have discovered like over the course of this last year and a half is that people will come to me about challenging relationships and you have this person sitting in front of you and I just have, I have so much, it's so amazing. Like I have so much love, appreciation and gratitude because the person that sits in front of me is a human being that's trying to be loved. Like everything that they do is to be loved, to feel loved, to give love. Like everything that we do is is anchored in this like this feeling and this emotion of like being accepted by yourself, accepting yourself and then being accepted by someone else. And so a lot of times like questions of love and relationship come up and just as I had mentioned, you know, the uh, very common theme that comes up is self-love and um, self-care, unconditional love. And usually when that comes up about a relationship, it's always like connecting back to that person, feeling that for themselves so that they can give that to others. But a lot of people like to ask about um, career, relationship, and finances, which seem to be the biggest sections of questions. Then when people are able to take it a little bit deeper, you can start to get into things like, you know, when people are asking about money, um, oh, yeah, I want to make sure I have money and I got to make sure that I have this and that. A lot of the times in the records, they, they talk about, well, Let's talk about your relationship with this energy that you call money. It's like we're so attached to that physical thing that will give us physical things, but really it's just a, a means to exchange energy and to exchange gifts and receive. So I love those kind of answers. And then with you know relationships, it's always been really great to kind of reconnect it back to how you feel about yourself. And then also um, with regards to career and job, a lot of the times we forget that we're we have a lot of, um, you know, gifts, talents, and abilities, unique gifts, talents, and abilities. And when we're able to be connected with what those are, then we can apply those in really practical ways and have fulfilling jobs and careers and, you know, be able to accomplish our goals and do the things that we want to do, have the things that we want to have. And that's really what this human experience is about. It's, it's about, it's about love and it's about fulfilling the dreams that we've the, the dreams that we have, the dreams that we've sort of like um, had a vision of before we were incarnated, but then taking all of that and sort of applying it in a practical way. Like nothing is fixed, you know, nothing is destined. Um, you really create, you are creating your life. Talk a little bit about the dreams we have before we we're incarnated. There is this amazing place within the Akasha. The Akasha is an energy field. And within the Akasha, we can go to a place called the zone of choice. Zone of choice is where a soul will go to decide who they want as their mother and father, who they want as their family, um, why we choose them, what lessons we want to learn from them, 
you know, why we choose the particular path that we're choosing, um, the kinds of lessons, the kinds of relationships and things like that. I chose my father because he would ultimately teach me the lesson of letting go. And I chose my mother because she would ultimately be the one who's teaching me about unconditional love. I chose my older sister because she would be the one who would inspire me to find myself and be connected to my path. And I didn't get into why I chose my little sister or why she chose me. Um, but I have a feeling intuitively that it is about um, pursuing dreams and, you know, fulfilling that des fulfilling desires. I have always had a strong sense that I wanted to be a storyteller and I wanted these stories to have an impact on, on human beings, like to, to have an impact of positive change for them to feel connected to themselves. I do that in the work as a practitioner and as a teacher, but I also have this other part of me that likes to be in media and film and TV. So I really want to be able to spread that message far and wide. And I think that that's why I, I chose this path of being a filmmaker. But then I, it also is paired up very well with me working one-on-one -on -one as a practitioner and as a teacher. It's all about storytelling and, like you said, uplifting. And, and I really like that about the Akashic Records because your purpose is to uplift them, right? Yeah. And show them, like, but what, what is exactly is it? What is that phrase you use? Dignify. Dignify and uplift, and I think that's super cool. So that's great when you have, like, positive news to give them. So if somebody asks you a question, you're like, you give them an answer, and like, yes. But what about when you have stuff to give them that they're not quite accepting or that may not be as positive you're still trying to uplift and dignify them but you're not giving them what they want to hear is everybody ready to hear mess certain messages <clears throat> that's a really great question so when I receive information that may not be what that person wants to hear here is the best way to break it down one there has been a divine appointment for that soul to connect with the soul of the practitioner within the Akashic Records. So we have this divine appointment and this person is coming to you and I'm going to use a real life experience to illuminate what I'm trying to, to say. So I had a client come to me and she lost her husband um, and he cheated on her and she has two sets of twins from her husband. So she was coming to me and she wanted to find out about when she's getting her money. And what I kept hearing was, you have to forgive your husband. And I said to her, you know, what I'm hearing is you have to forgive your husband. And she said, well, I'm not going to do that. So you need, so we need to figure out what else I'm going to do. That's so hard. Oh, my right. God. Cheated on her and left her with two sets of twins. And I think they were in like eighth and ninth grade or something like that. It was like, I can't even imagine a single mom having to deal with all of that pain and heartache and then to care for these four, four sons. So, so we talked about in the records, like some other ways. Um, but then she kind of came back to, okay, so how do I get my money again? And they said, well, you have to, you have to forgive your husband. And she's like, well, I'm not going to do that. So apparently this isn't going to work. So one of the things that I teach my students in the advanced class is to, to accept something will allow you to release it, release the hold that it has on you. But if you have resistance towards something, it's going to stick. So eventually over time, you're going to recognize that this is a pattern. 
personally for me, um, I, as a child, experienced sexual abuse. So I always attracted emotionally unavailable partners into my life. So when I started to see that it was a pattern, why do I keep attracting these like emotionally unavailable men? I learned in my records that I was emotionally unavailable and it was like connecting all the way back to this, um, this uh, experience of being sexually abused as a child. So I resisted it, definitely resisted it. Oh, I keep attracting these, you know, these guys and same thing keeps happening over and over until it just was like, you know, so heavy and emotionally painful that I was like, I can't do it anymore. What do I need to do? And then I had to like basically unwind the big knot that was like my basic, basically my sex, uh, sacred sexuality. It was like this power that I have that I was so afraid to use and so afraid to connect with. But then once being in control, you know, you're attracting in all these like you, the people that you attract in your life is always based on your, your state of life, like in that moment. So it changes like moment to moment, like who you can attract in based on where you, where you are in your life. But, but that's been a really important thing that I've learned. Like, so now when these things come up for me, I always try to move into like accepting it and then what are the next steps? Like, how can I really move past this? So another really great example is I had horrible acne, like mosquito bites on my face. Like it was terrible. When I, when I was re like, I was like, okay, I'm ready to like really unravel this. What is this about energetically? So many things, but what my body needed for me was protein and animal protein. Cause you went vegan. I went vegan. So I couldn't do it. I mean, they, at first they were like, you need to eat animal protein. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do it, you know? But then I got to a point where it was like, okay, what's the first step? Well, the first step is, can you eat eggs? I can eat eggs. So I started eating eggs and I'm starting to feel better. What's the next step? Fish. Oh my God, I can't eat fish. Fine, I'll eat fish. I eat fish, I start feeling better. Oh my God, I'm feeling so great. Like, what's next? Chicken. Oh my God, I can't do it, you know? But it was like... I, I just, I started, it was like, I accepted. I stopped resisting that that's what my body needed. And I started letting these things be incorporated back into what I needed. And then even it got to a point where, okay, now I'm just breaking out on my like um, chin. What does my body need? Yogurt and berries. Your hormones are imbalanced. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do dairy. But I started doing it and it cleared my skin up like that. But yeah. it's funny because it goes so against right. what we hear and you have to trust that. You have to trust that what you're receiving from your body is the truth. Right. As opposed to being connected to what the outer voices are telling you, you know, yeah. like, you know, like dairy's bad for you. Right. And, and that's such a great, uh, a great point. Like listening to your body, I just started trusting whatever my body was gravitating towards and just listening to it. So I eat red meat once a month, but it's usually because my body needs it. And I just trust the moment that I'm like, oh, I want to have a little bit of like red meat. I just trust it. Um, but I do ultimately want to get back to a balanced vegan diet. Like I may have to have a little bit of like, you know, animal product like here and there, but I do ultimately want to get back to it. What are some of the coolest readings you've done affecting somebody or maybe somebody coming back and being like, oh my God, like what you said had this effect on me or, you know. Some of the coolest readings that I've had are when people come back to me and say, oh my God, so many beautiful things had manifested from the reading that we did a year ago, 
Um, but here's a really specific one. I was doing a reading for a young woman and she asked me if there was a loved one that wanted to step forward and say anything. So a, lo a loved one stepped forward. And here's the thing about the records. You can communicate with the soul of someone alive or dead. So I asked if there was a loved one that wanted to step forward and it was a brother. So I said to her, um, I'm hearing brother. Is your brother alive or dead? And she said, my brother's alive. And she's like looking at me like I have two heads. And I'm like, well, let's see what brother has to say. The brother said, I want my sister to know that she inspires me and that I'm very appreciative of everything that she does for me. And she just started crying because she was really struggling with her relationship. And she said, I feel like my brother takes me for granted. And that was such an incredible experience because I've never had a loved one who is alive step forward and have a message for the person. That's crazy. I know. I was like, whoa, I didn't know that was possible. But then that just, I mean, it's like every day that I do readings, like it just breaks more like doors down where I'm like, whoa, this is possible. This is possible. This is possible. It's crazy. And then another cool experience I had was one of my students was in her records and one of the exercises we were doing, she was receiving a lot of information and then at the, at the end of her like receiving that, she said, thank you, I love you. And they said, that's all we are. And I was like, oh my God, you guys, like these master's teachers and loved ones, like they are just so incredible. But going back to, um, to, to hearing information that maybe the other person doesn't want to hear, I have been in a couple situations, actually a few situations, where I have heard things that that person consciously may not have known or remembered. And I've said what I've heard, and it sort of has opened up a little bit of like um, a search, you know, like in this person's life, to like search and find these like answers. Uh, a young woman was asking me about a challenging relationship, and what I kept hearing is that the other individual she was in a relationship with was um, cheating on her. Whoa, how do you break that to somebody? I All I said was, I'm hearing that this person dishonored you. Like, do you know what this person is talking about? And she, and she said, well, yeah, I think I do know. And so I couldn't, I couldn't be direct with her because I didn't think that she knew. And so how do you, like, ethically or what is, even though you know the answer, even though they're telling you the answer, you still can't tell them directly? Can't tell because it's a lot of responsibility as well. It is like a lot of responsibility. So that's actually a boundary that I've I've started to create boundaries for myself to protect myself as a practitioner. So when I'm when I'm hearing information like that, I will ask that person. You know, sometimes I might say, "Do you think that this individual is cheating on you, or do you think that this person is doing something?" So I'll kind of ask questions to see if they know. And then I'll say, okay, because what I'm hearing is this person is cheating on you. So I kind of like ask questions, but I tell them now I don't want to be put in that position anymore. Like I have a boundary with the master's teachers and loved ones. Don't put me in that position. And they won't put me in that position because it's happened a few times now where I'm like, I can't be that. I can't be that responsible. It's heavy. 
it's like very, very this person understood. is like starting, you know, it's like they're, it's like a, um, they're opening up this like can of worms and they're starting to search for these answers and, and find out. Because it's easy to say stuff and it's easy to be the acostrophator when you're putting up, when you're putting out nothing but rainbows and butterflies, but when it's time to get to that stuff, it is. And that was another thing I wanted to say. Everything that they are sharing is for that person's highest good. So, yeah, you kind of want to know if someone's cheating on you because you want to know what steps you need to take to transform that relationship or to let go of that relationship. But it's also such sensitive information that you, those particular scenarios, that you want to take baby steps into it. You know, like if someone is already suspecting, the truth is, that person probably is doing it, you know? We we wouldn't, we wouldn't, I don't think we would be in that position unless we had a prior experience or unless it was actually going on. And everything that we're doing is to be connected to our higher self, like our highest good, you know, to, to be happy, to experience joy, to feel bliss. And if we're in a relationship where someone is cheating on us or something that happened to us when a child is holding us back, we want to know so that we can move forward. Are you teaching anybody anything soon? I am, yes. I'm going to be teaching a beginner class April 23rd and 24th. So Saturday, April 23rd, and Sunday, April 24th. That's the beginner. It's how to read the Akashic Records. And then I was thinking about scheduling an advanced class in May, and the advanced is energy healing in the Akashic Records, reconciling past lives, and clearing unwanted ancestral Oh, patterns. I wish I would have asked you about that past lives. Can you talk very quickly about yeah, that yeah. past lives? Just like two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. I, was, I forgot past lives and soul, and soulmates and stuff soulmates. like that. Soulmates. Okay. So, yeah, there's there's some really great responses to those areas. So, uh, so the way that soulmates are understood within the Akashic Records is that we have many. And a soulmate is a person who's coming into our life to teach us a lesson. So they've kind of like shown me a difference in terms of soulmates and a life partner. So a lot of the times people say, where's my soulmate? Well, that just means it's someone coming in to kind of show you Mm -hmm. something again about yourself. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that that's your life partnership. And even with life partnerships, those can change, you know, but it, so when people want to know about a relationship, a soulmate or a significant other, I think the most appropriate question would be, what are the steps I need to take to connect with my life partner or to connect to a life partnership in this lifetime? Um, so yeah, soulmates are, yeah, it's always many and, and it could be friends too. It's like, oh, this person's just coming in to teach you, you know, how to, um, forgive yourself or to, um, perhaps like practice something, you know, to have a practice, a spiritual practice. So it's really interesting. It's, it's a lot of lessons and then, um, past lives. Okay. So past lives are revealed in the Akashic records when, it is creating somewhat of a hindrance in what someone is trying to accomplish. So past lives have positive experiences and they can also have negative experiences because 
we can hold on to the negative experience and then it can hinder us from accomplishing the things that we want to accomplish. So in the records we ask if there's any past lives that are connected to the person in the moment of that reading. And then they'll bring me back to something and then they'll show me if it, if it is a hindrance or if it's actually having a positive influence. So they will take me back and show me like a movie strip. Like um, this person was in, you know, 18th century Egypt and they were working in a bazaar and they were a basket weaver and they were selling fruits. And, you know, this, this is about how this person is trying to be an entrepreneur in this lifetime, but perhaps being affected by some of the, um, you know, uh, perhaps by the social climate or... Um, society, the people around them. So you can, it's interesting. You, Every experience is different and you have to see what they're showing you to tell you how it's like related to that person and what they're going through in this lifetime. So in the advanced class, we reconcile past lives. So we ask our masters, teachers, and loved ones to bring us to a past life where um, I was an expert in this area of my life or bring me to a past life where I was uh, struggling with something, you know, within this area of my life. So they will bring you back and they'll show you. But within the Akashic Records, they won't necessarily bring you back unless it is imperative for them to do it or unless you ask for it. Otherwise, everything is very present life. I really like that. I asked you about that and I'm like, what is that? One of the questions I asked you was like, what is this recurring theme in my life? And you told me like, yeah, you were this person and that person. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes total sense. Because it is, it's like lessons that you didn't, maybe totally learn in that life and you have to, you know, finish. Yeah. In this one. Yeah. Like your DNA, your soul's DNA still has those memories, like those, those hangups, you know, or those lessons that you did learn, those talents, you know, that whatever it is that you were able to, to, to graduate from mm -hmm. that now you've brought with you in this lifetime. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I love that. Thank you, Helen. You're welcome, Thank you so Victoria. Oh, Thank so you. <laughs> If you'd like to learn more about Helen, you can visit her website at justbetruetoyou.com. That is J-U-S-T-B-E-E-T-R-U-E, -E -E, the number 2, Y-O-U.com. There you can find information on how to reach her if you'd like to get a reading from her. The reading I got from her almost a year ago completely changed my life. It, it was scary and beautiful and so humbling to be in the presence of something that I was very skeptical about and that just completely blew me away. The stuff she was able to tell me was, I mean, something that no one could have possibly known. Even even her being my friend, she had no idea the things I was going through. And um, it really helped me to connect with whatever this these energies are that um, are always watching over you, that are always a part of you, that are um, that have been here since the beginning of creation you know uh, so I would very much recommend to get a reading with her if you like a little bit of clarity on something going on in your life um, she's she's wonderful uh, if you would like to learn how to become an Akashic reader she does offer trainings as well uh, she offers them in Los Angeles and she does have a few coming up this summer so you can check that at her website as well the following podcast will be with one of the best teachers I have ever met in my life. He is spin instructor and kundalini yoga teacher, Colin Kim. And we'll be discussing transcendence through movement. Check that one out. Until next time.